you are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Nets podcast. It's on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You got Doug Norrie here, owner-operator, DFSR. Got you covered, all your betting and DFS needs for the NBA. And that's Adam Armbrecht. He's streaming almost daily on Sportscaster, where he's the voice of the Brooklyn Nets and one of the lead NBA analysts as well. I got the word out, right? Analysts. Buddy, how's it going? Well, I'm just impressed. Now I don't even care about the rest of the show. Analyst, the guy did it. Friends, put your hands together for Doug Nori. I'm good, man. Well, uh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, just like every single time, I'm going to say analysis and analyst. And in my head, it's crazy <laughs> that I'm, I'm, it's like when someone tells you their names, I don't know, Sharon, but then one time you hear it's Sharon or something like that. And then you can't remember, <laughs> and then you can't remember which one they said. And then you get up in your head each time right before you say it. And you're not sure which is the correct one. Now, this is not making me look great to start off the podcast by not knowing very basic words. But anyway, I want to give everyone the, uh, the genesis of why I can't seem to, I just come up with an, I should just come up with a different word with the genesis of why I screw this up, even though this is like our, I don't know, a hundredth episode or something like that. <laughs> but uh, go ahead. Anyway, let's not bury the, the Brooklyn Nets. Right, exactly. Yeah. The, the Brooklyn Nets can continue their winning streak at home over the Orlando Magic. It's uh, We're, we're going to get into it here, and as you'll find along the way, the, the breakdown or the analysis of this contest, it only needs to go so far because this one, the Nets really put their stamp on it pretty early here, 129-92 to 92 over Orlando. And there's a myriad of reasons, uh, I think, on both sides of the ball, really, why the Nets made such easy work of the Magic. Well, this game starts off, so it's their eighth win in a row, so let's start there. It's their eighth win in a row. Um, they are still playing without Kevin Durant, obviously. Jeff Green didn't play in this one either. They did get TLC back. We'll talk about some other contributors that came off the bench in a big way. A lot of reasons to get excited here. They come, but I, I will say, I don't know if you felt this with me. They come out in the first quarter, and I got this little bit of a sense of, uh-oh, we're back to where we were about playing down to competition where they look completely flat. You know, you, you, you peek over at the magic record and it's below 500, even though that's stats silly, but whatever it's the people like to reference stuff like that. So we'll play along here, but they, they kind of slept walk through the first half, excuse me, the first quarter in a way that did have me a little mildly concerned up until the point where it was just like, well, the magic really weren't making doing all that much with it. I mean, they fell down a little bit early, but did you have any of those feelings early on that we were going back? To, and, and by the way, look, you win seven games in a row. Maybe you do take your foot off the gas a little bit, right? And it's, yeah. a, and it's a bad team. So it wasn't even really begrudging the, the performance, but did you have any of that sense early that that we were headed maybe back into these previous iterations of the Nets where lesser competition, playing down to it, kind of sleepwalking a little bit? Did you have any of that feeling? Because I was definitely feeling that a little bit early on. Yeah, and by the end of the first quarter, it finishes 28-24, and there's a reason why we'll get into because it, it really stems across from the first to second quarter. But to your point, early it was sloppy, a little careless, you know, a lot of casual turnovers, Harden trying to work in towards the lane a little bit, having some issues there, and just it generally, like you say, sleepwalking, right? Just didn't seem like you were fully engaged. The, there was a couple of things. One, the benefit that Orlando's a bad team. Let's put that down on paper. So it, it, it's usually pretty easy if you're playing against a team that just, and they have a lot of injuries, but they just don't have the ability to keep up with a team like Brooklyn. But the other thing that I thought was interesting that the Nets weren't capitalizing on, keep it on them, offensively, 
early on throughout the first quarter, the Orlando Magic were flashing double teams with consistency at Harden and at Kyrie Irving, and usually with Vucevic shading over out of the middle. And it was opening up just pockets for days inside the paint, and it just took the Nets a very long time to figure out the sequence of just, you know, outlet pass, and this came along to Harris back inside to Irving as he cuts towards the lane. Like, you started to see that happen as you worked through, but early on it was almost like, the Nets forgot what was working so well for them and also maybe forgot how to quickly break down a defense like that that makes them shift, makes them collapse into the lane a little bit more, and then you really start to open up the perimeter shooting, which also, by the way, was not a good out-of-the-gate stat for Brooklyn either. At one point, I think even going early into the second quarter, they were 5 of 17 from beyond the arc. So all those things combined, and it's probably just the focus because then once we turn the page over into the second quarter... It was, you know, the proverbial light switch. Oh, right, it's Orlando. Oh, right, we're the Brooklyn Nets. Let's go ahead and take care of this as we head towards halftime. And that's why we're going to probably avoid going through this game sequentially like we usually do with these other games because definitively with games, often there is a beginning, middle, and end, and it kind of plays out like a story, and it's usually cool to kind of walk through different narrative themes that you see during a game. Uh, and a lot of times if you, you know, if you hear our post game breakdowns, that's the way we go It's like, we kind of pick up on threads and sort of explore them as the game goes on and then get into the, you know, beginning, middle and end game. Uh, that doesn't really play out in this game because this game was over by halftime for all the sleepwalking that they did early on in this game. This one, by the time we reach halftime, it's well, we can't start recording the podcast at halftime, but I've taken away <laughs> most of what I need to take away from from this game outside of a few you know, little other performances because it really was this thing where I think other times during the season that sleepwalking aspect would have carried throughout or the other team would have felt like, oh, we're still in this game. I think it was probably a combination here where the other team thinks, oh, we're still in this game against the Nets. Let's keep our foot on the gas because we've got these guys on the ropes. But the Nets really put that to rest in the second quarter where all the shots start going, basically start going in. They get some uh, sparks off the bench for sure, but they just continue to show, they just show you that this magic team is just a, in the end is a completely inferior set of talent comparatively. Yeah. And you mentioned the, you mentioned the injuries and Cole Anthony isn't playing and they've, uh, you know, they've lost Markel Fultz for a while. Jonathan Isaac isn't there. So they've, they're, they're having their issues. But look, you, you, you get to play the team, you get to play, and the Magic you know, are far from up to the task of sticking with this Brooklyn team. And that became, again, I, I hate to just wash away the entire third and fourth quarter, but by halftime, you're looking for, you might start looking around, we didn't, but you might start looking around league pass to see what else is going on. No, for for sure. And before we get into the, you, you mentioned those role players as well. On the on Orlando's side of it, it, the first thing that struck me was, and we talked about, I think early in the year, you know, even like possible trade targets. And this is all pre-hardened, or even in the off season. Vucevic's name is one that I brought up to you, and I I think that you shot it down fairly quickly, just in terms of what he is or is not, you know, relative to the name recognition because it feels like he's a guy that's prominent around the NBA and he finishes with a big line in this game but it also felt like even through that first quarter and going to the second that yeah okay so he's gonna get his I mean it it made me think of Sabonis in a lot of ways because we just saw the Pacers not too long ago we were like oh yeah that's a big that's a that's a nice stat line when it's all said and done and I also don't know if you really impact the game in any way shape or form because when I look past him then you get to Fournier and he's another guy I'm like wow that that name's always on the tip of my tongue for an NBA player and yet he's kind of that that muddling if his shots off again what is the what other value do you bring on either end of the floor and i know it just speaks to you mentioned the injuries but just the lack of quality on this team it's, but but it, it's, it's really more that magic, like yeah sorry go ahead 
it's more it's really more the it's really more the second part there. It's where you know Vooch and, and Fournier are fine uh, players, and that's all good. It's really the drop off after that. Where if you yeah. look down this list, you're thinking, well, none of these guys would see, even be rotation players on the Nets. Like, the, f- forget starting. <laughs> You know, forget like forget getting into the starting lineup, uh, Alpha Camino and James Innes uh, and you know, MCW, but they wouldn't even be, they really wouldn't even be part of the really all that much of the bench play either. Mm. So I think that's that's where it's the drop off after those two guys because you get like a peak game from Vooch, basically where the, the Nets had really had no answer. But it's it's just like okay, go out and get your 22, 28 and twelve. We're just not worried about anything else that's going to happen here. And I think that became the story because I mean, where are you getting offense from this team? Michael Carter-Williams? Uh, not really. Uh, Alfred Gamino, he's, I don't know, he's still in the league. He's been hurt forever. James Ennis is one of these, oh, I'm going to start, but I'm going to play 20-minute guys. I'll never understand that kind of minute rotation. So I think I think in the end, it just it's just it's such a talent drop-off. I, I, frankly, I'm, I'm shocked at the magic of 13 wins. <laughs> more, that was more than second question else. was going to be, yeah, they're, act, they're actually doing surprisingly well. Oh yeah, I mean, look, the injuries have cropped up a little bit, a little too. I didn't even mention they're without Aaron Gordon too, so they're they're really without probably three fifths of the starters that they were walked into the season with, and that's no team or very few teams are going to be able to come back from that. Regardless, uh, even at full strength, I'm not that worried about the squad. And in the end, the Nets by halftime are it's basically over, and then by the you know beginning of the fourth quarter, it's really over, and then we're in, into the wave the white flag territory by the time the fourth quarter, and that's when we're starting to get set up for the podcast because this game was pretty much over. Got to talk about some of this role player stuff because we got a really, really exciting performance out of Nick Claxton. Got to devote a decent amount of time to this, and Nets fans have a lot of reasons to be excited. It's been a long-awaited for him to kind of come and get on the scene here. He got into the game last time, but this last game, this this one against the Magic, is where he started to put his stamp on things. We'll talk about him in a second. First, got to head over to Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to get all your bets in on any sports action you want. Look, football's over. That's okay. Bet Online's got you covered for everything else under the sun. NBA, obviously, every night. College basketball heating up as we get toward. March Madness, NHL, maybe you're a hockey guy or gal on the ice that got you over there. Maybe it's not even sports. Maybe you want to just throw a little coin down on an award show or reality TV. Bet on, Maybe politics is the where you want to get it on. It's all there on Bet Online. Real, up, real time updated odds and props on basically anything you can imagine. Plus, they have news and scores as well. Right now, it's the best way to place your bets, and it's totally free to sign up. You head on over to the website, betonline.ag, and when you sign up today, you're going to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit, one of the best deals in the industry. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Make sure you use the promo code Locked On when you sign up, and you're going to get that 50% welcome bonus. Betonline.ag, the best in the business. And today on the Locked On Today podcast, is the relationship between Russell Wilson and the Seahawks broken? Good Lord, you're going to want to hear about that. The NFL season never stops, as we know. You can get more of the sports news you need in less time with the Locked On Today podcast. Subscribe to Locked On Today wherever you get your podcasts. And now, my friends, as I like to say, number 33 in your playbook, number one in your hearts, and that is Nicholas Claxton. I, I will say that because there's a little bit of the game here that stems over from the first quarter into the into the second, and, and Nicholas Claxton really is the centerpiece of it, and that's that defensive spark to start to clamp down and, and really take Orlando out of this game. So that's worth noting. It was uh, among with him, TLC, and then also Tyler Johnson. But the last episode that we had, 
and rightfully so, you said. Claxton gets in the game, but he doesn't look that great. And, and he didn't. He looked uh, like a guy that hadn't played in uh, you know several months and was coming off of a knee injury, et cetera, or were trying to heal a, a knee injury. But I do feel like I need to be a little more bullish sometimes when I when I think I'm seeing something that is really going to pay big dividends. And even though he looked a little clunky and a little clumsy in the first game back, and he even had some moments like that in this one, Claxton's athleticism, his footwork, and his ability to switch, especially on the defensive end and protect around the rim and all those little things. I mean, he really just showcased this nice little glimpse of if he can continue to carve out that role He's going to be very important for this team. And this is about as impressive as a second game back that you could have for a player, again, just second year in the league and coming off a season where he had very small minute share. Oh, it was all on display. It was it was, it was, was really everything you wanted and more from this guy. Easily the best performance that we've seen from him, considering these were actually real minutes in, in the past. It was a little bit more blowout stuff last season. Uh, really didn't get that many looks when it was all said and done and the injuries have sort of hampered him. But you're right, like you were more bullish. On the performance, my thing was more that it just looked clunky and sort of out of place, but mm-hmm. that it wasn't a, it wasn't really a knock on him. I'm not gonna do a referendum now on what I said. I, I I you were definitely more bullish on it. My thing was more like, look, what do you expect? The guy hasn't played forever, right? Like that was it was more it was more of that variety yes. than it was yeah. uh, than it was worried about his long term future. Now that being said, even if you were concerned about the long term future, this game laid a little bit of that to rest. The defensive energy is something that they really haven't been able to get off the bench. In terms of energy slash actually having the size to capitalize on it, so they have they've had energy guys before, but it's mostly of the you know happy to be here variety of guy <laughs> more than more <laughs> yeah. than like more than just you know something you can maybe dream on dream on the upside when it comes to what he what he played. I mean, even in the short stint, he only played 15 minutes, and I got he did every single thing you wanted to. Specifically, he showed his ability to be able to switch onto almost any type of player, and yeah. that actually, in the end, is going to be the real value, right? It's the if he's going to be able to switch onto guys like Terrence Ross on um, on the perimeter and then block his three pointer, <laughs> like that's when you're like, let's get up out of your chair. We have a real thing on our hands thing because if if you can run switches on him and the Nets do want to switch a lot on defense, obviously they kind of need to with their personnel just because. Um, they just their defenders aren't as good, and so if the, if it's going to be, you, you kind of have to you can trust them a little bit less on being able to maintain assignments throughout all the sequences. So they just have to switch a lot, and that's fine. But the fact that they're going to be able to switch a lot and then have this guy being able to get into any switch that you can't pick off is really going to be something because he was so active, the hands were so active, his instincts were really really good. Like I said, blocking a three pointer that's that's just kind of like a no joke thing. So watching the defense here for him. The, I will say that the defensive stats are probably outliers. Six defensive stats in 15 minutes is just really never going to happen again. That's just you just really can't. No player in the world piles that kind of defensive stats on in in such a limited time. But the fact that it's even possible is something to really really get excited about because if that's going to be the case, then we're going to see real meaningful minutes out of this guy going forward. Yeah, the four steals. I mean, the team leader. So I assume by the end of the season, he will lead the Brooklyn Nets in steals. That, that's where my mind immediately goes to your, to your point, right? There's some, there's some really big numbers there. But, but again, that, that, that switch on Ross, because he swatted away one, I think, in the third quarter when he came back in as well. And it's just, if you can stay with those guys, that is such a different dynamic than, you know, specifically DeAndre Jordan. You can say that there, there's obviously a 
some difference between the athleticism there. But then even the idea of the Nets like to go into these small ball lives. They like to play with Jeff Green at the five. They've been using Bruce Brown, who had another great game uh, in this one as well. But if you can now start to have more length, think about the idea that, that Kevin Durant hasn't been on the floor with them. So now you start to, as you rotate from the first unit to the second unit and you hold in Harden or you hold in KD, well, now Nicholas Claxton gives you more size and more length to combine with these players. There's a world where now you get out on the floor and you have Claxton at the five, you have Jeff Green at the four, and you can let Kevin Durant play down to the three on either end. And now you start to create these matchup issues and everything else. So that's why his sample size in this game, I think, could bear out to be to be just, listen, I'm not going to say crucial, but just important. This is exciting to add this piece because it makes it less necessary for the Nets to maybe worry about having to go out and add a piece before the trade deadline. One thing that I wanted to get here, too, in this, it was from the end of the first quarter where I said they come in and he's a part of that unit that gives the defensive spark there. The other piece that happens over the course of this to kind of, I guess, tie a bow on it. One, it's in the second half. I'm going to jump here a little bit, but he has a he has a nice play defensively, I think swatting Ross, and he takes a beat away from the basket, and it looked like he was just maybe, you know, testing something with his knee, and my immediate, I thought, oh, God, no, let's not have it be, like, just two games back. That was about 32 seconds before he took that bounce pass from Harden and just threw it uh, threw it in on a monster slam, elevated his legs above the rim practically, and took a technical in the process. But it was the exact kind of tee that you want to take because that's that, that sigh of energy and relief for a kid that's been waiting to get back out on the floor. Yeah, that, that technical was totally worth it. I don't think anyone begrudged that technical. I think that um, you know, even if it had been a closer game, which it really wasn't, I think you're still not worried about it because it's been a long time coming for him. He's been on the shelf for a long time. It's clearly been a frustrating process for him. You know, it doesn't go to the bubble. Can't really doesn't you know gets limited time in last year, probably compared to what he wanted to, and then can't start the season. So the fact that he's back, clearly healthy, super energetic. When he dunks and they get they team up, nobody believe nobody's mad. No. <laughs> no fan is mad. No player is mad. No coach is mad. I mean, maybe you know, you do it lip service by saying something, but in the end, like that is a well deserved. That's a well deserved flush it, because look, he plus sixteen and fifteen minutes, super active. It's clear that there's still some kind of minutes limit on him too because he didn't play through the blowout when some of these other guys did. You know, they got in, they brought in Cook and they brought in Chioza and they even kept in like the TJs of the world mm-hmm. uh, and Shamits and of the world to play through the blowout and he didn't. So it's clear to me that there's still very much of minutes limit on him just probably as they work him back from the knee but the but in general it, this was 15 minutes of really non-outlier excitement like I, like I said the steals and the defensive piece were outliers in just terms of counting stats but the, the what he was actually showing is not an outlier performance like this is this is starting to be the realization of what we've been kind of dreaming on being able to get a bigger body like this into the lineup. No, for sure. And, you know, you mentioned the fan piece there, second home game here for Brooklyn. So obviously uh, fans and small doses allowed back in the arena. So that's exciting. And there's been just a lot of like energy and joy around that. Players talked about it after the last game too. Just nice to see people back in there. But to close out our, our game recap, I do have to get out on a couple of shout out because this guy needs to get propped up sometimes. I don't think he gets enough, uh, enough media attention. And that's Ian Eagle. You, you said oh, the best you said fans. So he closed out the he, somewhere in the second half. He just had a line where another just I'm talking feet short of the basket. Three pointer goes up from Orlando and he gives the proverbial. 
Uh, is there a door open in here somewhere? I, I know fans are back in. Are they worried about air circulation maybe? Because I it was almost impressive how, how short Orlando was able to be from the perimeter. That's a decent one. But my favorite line out of this game was at the end of the first half where Kyrie ends up getting a nice little putback uh, layup. And that's because, to paraphrase uh, uh, Ian Eagle here, TLC missed it so badly, it landed in Irving's hands cleanly off the backboard. And that was the lay-in before the break. I mean, it was just phenomenal. His his cadence and delivery of these things is both like probing at the player and somehow complimentary. It's a, it's a beautiful skill. Oh, we're absolutely spoiled by having these guys. Um, and really, even just it's everybody. Kustak's amazing. He's yes. great. When Richard Jefferson shows up, that's kind of an event because he's so good. Like It's really the Nets, the, the Nets broadcasting. There's a reason national people sort of recognize them as being sort of top to bottom, just one of the best groups out there. And if you just take a swing around league pass on a certain night, you will see that not every not every home group is like this. It's some are some are completely impossible to listen to. I'm not going to say them by name. Um, there's a couple specifically in the East where you got to just watch it on mute. It's impossible. <laughs> like it's just it's totally impossible to listen to some of these guys and forget these national broadcast games where I'm not even positive they even watch the games. I, like watch other basketball besides the one that they're they're doing. So it is really a gift to be able to listen to Eagle. He, I think he had other ones tonight too. He talked about like how he was able to lip sneer, like lip curl a sneer up. Like he had that ability to do yeah, that. Billy, Billy Idol having, style. Uh, Bill, that's right. The Billy Idol thing. He talked bacon. about coming out of the womb. <laughs> yeah. Wrapped in bacon, coming out of the womb with a suit on. Like these <laughs> yes. are all just from the one game. Like, like this is just one game's <laughs> worth of just lines from this guy. So uh total gift. Okay. We're going to get uh, into the rest of this in a second. We'll do some lock, lock it up and uh, talk about where we stand on some of these lock it up, make some predictions as we head into, into the all-star break we'll be back in a second all right before we dive back into the lock it up segment here to close out the week got to remind everybody that it's friday on locked on nba where you can join anthony Irwin of locked on lakers and adam mares of locked on nuggets for a wrap-up of the biggest stories around the league anthony and adam bring you the game recaps weekend previews and a weekly nba power rankings that you just don't want to miss subscribe to locked on nba podcast wherever you get your podcast needs fulfilled and now, my friends, you know the time. It is. You better lock it up. No, you lock it up. You lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. That's right. Lock it up. Back for another round on a Friday where typically I put Doug Norrie's feet to the fire and have him make some really bold statements and predictions around the Brooklyn Nets basically over the next week of games. We don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, although the last time we did this, you threw out to me because you were getting nervous, and I, I had quelled your concerns when you said, will Kevin Durant play before the All-Star break? And I gave you a resounding yes. Nothing to worry about, sweetheart. Tuck yourself into bed. It's going to be a sweet dream. Three games left to go here. Before, before I, so I, I am very quickly starting to get a little bit nervous about that. And, and I will say, I do wonder if it has to do at all with the idea of, because I didn't think about this at the time, if he doesn't play before the All-Star break, then he doesn't necessarily have to play in the all-star game. So I wonder yeah, so if the I, Nets I, are towing that line. Uh, yeah, and it's unclear about what the motivation for these guys to play in this game is, really. You None. know, like, I don't know. I, it's, it's, it, they've had such mixed messages around the all-star game so far about, you know, some guys not wanting to play. It's just kind of an exhibition in a time where it doesn't feel like you should be doing exhibitions. It's finally a break, and I can see why these guys, in, you know, more than other seasons, wouldn't probably mind a break. There's not really going to be fans of the game that much. I, I so. Uh, yeah, I don't know where the motivation is because you clearly can't have the All-Star game be his first game back from injury. So I think yeah. I think it's either he comes back with two games left 
or he doesn't play at all, right? Like he comes back next week. There's three games left. He, he comes back next week at some point. They kind of tune him up. But if you're the Nets and if you're this concerned about not having to play him, I don't know what how on earth you could feel comfortable about him kind of ramping back up and going and playing in the All-Star game. I, I just don't. No. Like for a team that's super careful with the, with this stuff, I just don't see how, I just don't see how that's even possible. So I, this this will be a pretty telling week. I, look, by the way, I'm fine with all these guys not playing in the All Star game. <laughs> don't play. <laughs> There's we've got oh, bigger yeah. fish to bigger fish to fry for this season. I, There's no reason for an exhibition game like this. Great, you got voted in. Uh, kudos, you deserve it. D- don't feel like you need to push it to play. I'm I, look, I'm not a player, so I, you know, for, take it for what it's worth. But if these guys didn't play in the All-Star game, you can count me among the group that would not be even a little bit bummed about it. No, I was excited to think about the idea of this. It's the dumbest thing to be excited about. I had a brief moment where I go, ah, it'd be so cool to see Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and James Harden out on the floor together in the All-Star game. And I was like, what are you, an idiot? You, this is what you you watch this all the time. You're see covering them? the team. <laughs> the Brooklyn a cool place to see them is in the final. Yeah, is in the oh. is in, in, in the cooler place to see him is is in the finals. There you go. <laughs> when they're not yeah, hurt, exactly. Like that's the exactly. So, I quickly dunced myself there. All right. So that's just a little bit of my concerns around one of my big predictions. Let's get into a couple of these here, though. Uh, the Nets now with this eight game winning streak. There's three more games before we hit the All Star break. They'll have one more home game against Dallas on Saturday night, and then next week Monday and Wednesday on the road in Texas against San Antonio, and then Houston. Over under the Nets finishing this what is now an eight game winning streak, ten and one. Do you lock um, up? I Do you think, lock that up? Yeah, I'm gonna lock up ten and one. I, go. I'm gonna lock up ten and one because I think that they split. They can probably split the Dallas and San Antonio game, and I just get this feeling that there's no way Harden's losing in Houston. <laughs> like I feel right, like that that at Houston game. I know the NBA got kind of got lucky with that because they didn't know about this trade before the season started. But the fact that 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 at Houston game is Harden's first game back, and it goes right before the All Star game. I like. Is there any world where he doesn't just want to just completely win that game? And I'm not sure Houston has the same motivation going back the other way. So. I think like that one is just feel. I never like to make predictions about this stuff, but that one just feels totally foregone conclusion to me that he's gonna. That you know what I mean? That he's just oh, gonna yeah. want to just no no listen. have it all on have it all on display for that game. So I'll, I'll I'll give that a win, and I'll say they split the Dallas and, and San Antonio um, two games. Although I'll, I'll say though, you know, San Antonio is a weird one because they're dealing with some COVID uh, protocol issues where they were really thin last game. So maybe they could be a really compromised team as well. So. I'll say 10 and 1 and I I 11 and 0 wouldn't shock me leading into the break. Well, and that'll get them to 24 and 13 or maybe even 25 and 12 if they sweep these last three games on that 11-0 run. And and we're going to get into this uh when we hit the All-Star break. So, as we head towards the end of next week and then over the All-Star break, we're going to look back at the start of this season and then I'll just, you know, little tip here, friends. I'm going to be looking ahead as far as what the record for this team to finish is going to look like. Let's do this is a quick one. Lock it up. The Brooklyn Nets will be leading the Eastern Conference at the All-Star break. Uh, yeah, I'm going to lock that one up, too. I know uh, Philly won tonight. I believe they were winning. And then, yeah, they killed Dallas. Uh, the So I'm going to I'm I'm still going to say, because they're still a half game out, I'll say that they will because I just like their chances on this final three-game stretch. But at worst, they're, you know, I, I think that worst, they're still in an effective tie. Because I just think I have so much confidence around how this team is playing. I know there's going to be a game where it kind of lets down and they'll lose, and that's going to be fine. And um, whatever, but when you get on these eight-game win streaks where everything seems to be clicking, you do start to get this feeling of, well, how are they going to lose? I know it's going to happen, but it, you you start to feel this sense of 
while they just they just have everything going right for them well, right now. Well, yeah, when you're talking about right, like it's like the Orlando game, right? We highlighted the struggles, the issues. You come out of the first quarter losing and you win the game 120, you know, we have 129 points against Orlando. You crush them and, and they're a bad team right now. That's fine. But even in these versions of these games where you're, maybe you're not playing to your highest quality level to start, it just feels like Brooklyn can turn it on. All right, let's then dive into this one. I feel like we can extend it a little bit. We'll see how how uh, anxious you get around it. You mentioned James Harden returning to Houston. As you said, there's not a lot of revenge coming the other way on this one, but I think no matter how you slice it, one, he wants to have a big game. Two, I, I think if there's animosity there, and we know how he left Houston and it wasn't the greatest, but I wouldn't be surprised if there's a little bit of the animosity of, you had me there. I was capable of doing this thing. And we need to, you know, really consider the idea of what it, of, of what message Harden wants to send of dagger in your chest. You could have done this with me in Houston, right? We had the opportunity to build around me all these years, whatever it is. I think that there's a big level of motivation there. I think James Harden is a great scorer anyway. So the lock it up that I want to put here for you though, is I look over his season at a season stats right now, the guy's averaging 25 points a game. He's averaging 11 assists as we know, and seven and a half rebounds per game. Do you lock it up? I will even do two parts here. Lock it up that James Harden puts up 35 plus points. We'll keep it, you know what, 37 points, let's say. Lock it up. Again, against Houston? Yeah. Um, I think that is, I, I can't lock that up, but I do think he's going to take a million shots. Although, I, you know, I, I got to say, I'm not sure because I, I think there was part of me that early on in this thing would have said, oh, Harden's like this sort of like weird, vengeful guy because the way the, the way out of Houston looks so bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, but he's so, he's just seems so different now that I'm not even sure that I can maintain that narrative as ugly as it was the way he left Houston. I just don't think. I'm just not thinking that maybe he is. I'll take the under now that yep. I've talked myself out of that because I, I think that like I think he's just completely changed. I think he's just completely changed his motivation. And and well, is that fair to Houston to have done it that way? No, but it just is what it is now. And I think that for all for as bad as it looked leaving Houston, he's really just done everything he can to make this go completely correct you know, in a correct way. So I'll take the under because I'm not sure he has. It was more that I just didn't think they were going to lose. But in terms of the overall points and just chucking shots just to say he did it, I just don't think that's the way he's going now. He's playing such a cerebral game right now where it's like kind of just making every right decision. So I'll say under because I think that that's just not the James Harden that we have in the Nets uniform right now. And it's, I mean, it's the reason they've been so good. Well, and it's so funny, right? The one time that I wouldn't mind seeing Harden revert, quote unquote, to his old ways. It might be fun for him to do it. And normally I would stay away from it. And maybe you're right. He is just, he's a different player on on the Nets, as we know. So maybe it's not going to be, you know, the most hardened thing he could do for who he is now is to not force the issue for his own glory. But I do think that Kyrie Irving is going to be looking to tee him up for a handful, right? Like I think teammates are going to want him to maybe have that proverbial big game as well. Maybe let's just throw in a quick little bonus here uh, in terms of, of getting uh in terms of him getting a, a positive on the assist numbers let's go 12 or more assists real quick uh more okay perfect i like that because that means he's doing the role that he was that he was carved out to do here in brooklyn and that means that i feel even more bullish that they dominate houston just before the break next week that'll do it friends for another segment of lock it up 
All right, we're headed into the weekend. It's been another great week of Nets basketball. Much appreciated for the download numbers. Man, I, can't, I say it every podcast, but it just ends up being true every podcast that we see the numbers continue to go up on these episodes. And it's just such, it's just so great. Like we look at these things every day. We sweat out the numbers. Um, it makes it feel that there's proof positive in concept here and what we're providing. And we really want to just say thank you to everyone that's maybe new to tuning in or continues to tune in because we look at these numbers every day. And it's just another month where we saw more listens. And I love it's it. Because yeah, I love it too. And so people keep tuning in. We really appreciate it. And the way you can keep driving those numbers up is you rate and review the podcast wherever you listen, throw five stars or bust. Much appreciated. Rate and review that podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And as we turned to go inside to the house, a strange new feeling came over me. I had a family, and I had learned that sacrifice and friendship and love were more than just a mushy stuff. At last, for the first time in my life, I was home. Chance the Bulldog. Oh my goodness, one of the all-time great poets with an all-time great quote. We'll be back again next week talking more Brooklyn Nets basketball.